good to be here with all of you today. Um, like, like Pastor Scott said, I'm Pastor Carl. Um, I have the privilege and the crazy adventure of being one of Scott's roommates back in college. And so, of course, I've got stories, right? And, and a few of you guys have already been trying to hound me and trying to get some stories out of me. And I was trying to think of, like, what's one that, one that I could share. And I was thinking about this um, in, in college. Um, I, I got my wisdom teeth pulled. Anybody else trying to get your parents' insurance to pay for your wisdom teeth to get pulled in college, right? Maybe you've been there. And so my brother picks me up from the, from the surgery, drops me off at my college apartment, and, and there, there's me, Scott, and two other guys that were renting that place. And he drops me off, and I just find my way to my bed to go to sleep, right? Well, I wake up to, like, some people talking in the room next door to me. And I'm kind of a people person, so I walk out, and I'm, I'm just, like, just, like, sauntering out there because, like, I'm still just, I'm sorry, but, like, I'm on some good meds at that point, okay? You know what I mean? Like, there's some pain going on. The, the, the dentist hooked me up with some good meds. So I'm walking out there, and I'm just kind of looking around, not really realizing that, like, I'm not all the way there. I just kind of walk out, and I'm like, hey, guys, there's 15 people crammed into our little apartment, our college apartment at GCU. And so I'm just kind of walking around, and probably for about 10 minutes, I'm just saying hi to people that I already knew, and, like, and also, like, saying hi, I'm Carl, also to people I already knew. And eventually I found a spot next to a friend of mine that, that I was just like, there's a spot on the couch, so I just sit there. I'm not realizing that, that Scott is leading a meeting about chapel for the coming weekend, yeah? And so I just kind of sit down next to my friend, and, and I, I, I put my head on his chest, which is weird. I don't do that. It's not like a normal thing. I just kind of look up at him, and I say, you smell like snacks. That was the moment Scott was like, okay, Carl, time for you to go back to bed, right? Like... Okay, so just like, I so appreciate your pastor, Scott, though. I've, I've known him for about 20 years, and I just love his heart and his passion for Jesus. And I love that not just now, not just in a career, but even in college, he was spending time um, just investing in people and wanting to see God's kingdom come in a powerful way. And so even if I walked into that meeting and said, you smell like snacks, right? And uh, maybe you're here and you're like, who is this guy? Did, did Carl call the, or did, did Scott call the wrong roommate? He might have, but I'm here. You're stuck with me anyways, okay? And so today, as we start, as we just continue in this series of an invitation, we're walking through the book of First John. And, and today's message is called an invitation, an invitation to, oh, oh, we'll get there. Sorry, that's my fault. An invitation to vulnerability. I think about it like this, this idea of an invitation to vulnerability. I've got this, this giant uh, puppy. He's an Airedale Terrier. If you, anybody know what an Airedale Terrier is? Okay, a few of you guys. Great hunting dogs if I hunted. I'm sorry, like you don't want me hunting. I'd be like all over the place. Um, you guys, if you hunt, that's amazing. And uh, maybe you could teach me. You're like, not after that statement. Um, so anyways, but they're great hunting dogs too, so I've heard, but we go on a lot of adventures together. We go hiking, we go on runs together almost every morning. And I love this dog and like try to take good care of him. And so one day I look over and, and he's like, he's there in my living room and he's, he's like chewing on his tail. And I'm thinking, that's not good. Like I've heard about stories about dogs that chew on their tails. This isn't good. So I go over to him and I try to check out his tail and he runs away. So I'm like, okay, that's okay. I'm bigger than you. You're pretty close. Like when he stands, he's about as tall as I am. 
But I, I, I've got this. So I grab his collar. I grab his tail and start to look at it. And he starts to growl at me. This friend of mine, like my best friend, right? Starts to growl at me and even starts to bark at me. And finally I'm like, okay, this is going to get real. I'm going to get some Neosporin for the end of his tail. And I'm like, vet Carl is coming out. I'm going to put some Neosporin on the end of his tail. But then I start to worry, what if Neosporin's like poisonous to dogs? I don't know what I'm doing. And so I go and I, I grab the cone of shame, which of course is fantastic, right? Anybody else had that? And so I grab that, I throw it on his head. It's from when he got neutered like years ago. And, and I'm like, okay, here we go. So I put the Neosporin on, we're good. And all my dog does is he just stands there still. For 20 minutes, he doesn't move in my living room. I thought when he got neutered, it was the drugs that kept him standing still. No, it was the cone of shame. And you're like, where is all this going, right? This, Scott did, did really call the wrong, uh, the wrong pastor. Um, but here's the thing, is a lot of the time, at least I know I act a lot like my dog, right? You're like, don't compare us to dogs. I get it. But sometimes when things get messy, when things get hard, or when I've created a mess in my life, when I've sinned, a lot of the time I act a lot like my dog. I run away from God. I run away from community. Sometimes I, I even bark at God. I kind of get upset. I get, I get just, just riled up and all these different things. And then sometimes even I freeze when God's starting to want to, want to deal with my mess, when, when I'm in a mess, And so I wanted to think about it like this today, is that God doesn't want that for us. He wants something so much better for us. And in fact, in in God's word, it invites us to engage our hard times. It invites us to engage our wounds. My dog had a wound on the end of his tail, and I had to engage that before it became more messy, right? God wants us to engage our wounds with him. And what does this look like? It looks like what we read in 1 John. And we're going to pick up in verse 5 today in 1 John. And so you can read along with me in your Bibles as we talk about this idea, this invitation to vulnerability. And so read along with me in 1 John 1, 5 through 2, 2. And this is how it goes. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing to you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you meet us in our sins. You meet us in our biggest messes of our lives and you step into those. You invite us not to run away from you or push you away or push community away, but instead you invite us to say, no, 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 I have sinned, God, and I need your help. God, I'm a mess and I need your help. And so God, would you speak to us today? Would you challenge the way we think? If we become uncomfortable with it, would you help us to be receptive to what you're actually doing in that discomfort? And God, would you move in our hearts today in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. 
Well, I loved watching the message last weekend from, from Tim Jacobs and hearing him just encourage you guys as they kicked off, as you guys kicked off this series, An Invitation. And this weekend, we want to continue on in this invitation of what does God invite us into? And I, first, I, I think at first is this. Number one is we're invited into the light. We're invited into the light. And uh, what does that mean? Like, maybe you remember that song when I was in junior high. I want to be in the light. Is you, no? Okay, yeah, okay, you're like, no, I forgot that. We need to leave that where it was, okay? Right, a little DC talk, and before that, somebody else recorded it. I get it. Um, but, but God wants to meet us. He wants us to walk in his light. And so we see that in 1 John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It cleanses us from all sin. So what do, we, what do we do with sin? Have you ever had a toddler and you set them up to paint some, with some finger paints? And you set them up, you even put down the, the newspaper underneath the paper that they're supposed to paint on. And you set them up. I don't know why, why a paint is a good idea for toddlers, but we think it is, right? On some level, and, and you set them up. You're, you're all ready to go. They've got their art project in front of them. And you take a call and you just duck out of the room for just, just like 30 seconds. And you come back to the room and there's paint everywhere except for the piece of paper. It's on the dog. It's on the floor. It's on the wall. It's everywhere. And you ask the kid, you ask him, hey, why did you do that? And what do they say? It wasn't me. It was the dog. Right? Like, here's the thing. We do that all the time with our sins, and we do that all the time with God. So often we think, oh no, that wasn't me. But what do we do with our sin? Here's the thing is God isn't inviting us to blame shift. But from the very beginning, humanity has been blame-shifting their sin to other people. And I want to encourage us to engage it the way God is calling us to engage our sin, to actually start to deal with it and let God deal with it. Because God makes a way, not of hiding, but of exposing and healing. Stepping into and following God doesn't mean that we have to get our act together before we can meet up with him. No, it means that we, we bring everything, our messiest pieces of our lives to him, and say, God, I'm a mess would you start to help me deal with this mess? I sin, God. I, I, even the sin that other people have created in my life, they, they've created hurts and pains in my life, and even that causes messes in my life. God, I'm a mess, but if you bring it to him, something amazing happens. What happens when we bring that mess to him? I think, first of all, this is what happens, is Jesus makes us whole and he makes us clean. He doesn't just wipe away our sin, he washes it away. He does that deep clean in our lives. Anybody need a deep cleaning in your car, right? Like you get in there and you're like, oh, my car has a smell. If you don't know it, if your, your friend next to you doesn't know it, maybe tell them this is a good moment to just be like, hey, your car does have that smell. And you do that deep clean, right? Like think about it that way is God wants to actually step in. And sometimes we forget that we've actually got that deep cleaning that we need from God. And we actually need to let God step in. Why? Because we so often get so comfortable with where we've been. It gets to be the, the way of life that we've lived. But when we let God in, he starts to do that deep clean. And you realize, oh man, my car is actually gray inside. It's not brown. Like, here's the thing. Is God actually does that in our lives too. When you step in, when you let him step in and you actually walk into that light with him. But I think it also does this is it brings you into a new intimacy with God that you've never known. 
When you can actually say, God, I'm not going to try to just present my best self to you, God. I'm going to come to you with all of my sin, with all of my messes, with all my shame, with all of my regrets. God, I'm going to bring it to you. It brings you to a new place of intimacy with God. And not only that is when this relationship with God gets right, the cool thing is then you start to see better connections with humanity as well. You get to know people better. As we become more vulnerable with God, as we become more in the light with God, then we start to see it even in our personal relationships. So we get to see these things. And I think about it like this. Years ago, I was coming back from, from hiking the Grand Canyon. And it was before I was really into like long distance running and different things like that. And so I'm coming back uh, with some friends. We had just hiked out of the Grand Canyon 13 miles that day. And I was just like dying, right? Anybody done the Grand Canyon? It's painful. You're like, I, I hiked down one mile and it was painful. That's okay too. We were hiking back and, and, and driving back at this point back down to Phoenix and, and headed back down. And as as we were walk, as we were head back down, we were having some good conversations, and they were, these were friends that I had known for a couple of years, and we're talking. And at one point, I don't know how it came up exactly, but both of them said, "Hey, we feel like we don't know you, Carl." And at first, I kind of laughed. I was like, "Wait, what? Like you're kidding, right? You've known me for five years. Like the, we've checked all the boxes." And they said, "No, no, no. Like we feel like we know when things are good for you, but you never process the hard stuff with us." And I remember thinking just like, no, no, I do that. But when a good friend that you've known for a while says something in your life that hurts sometimes, sometimes that's a good cue to say, God, would you help me figure out what what I can learn from this? It hurt. I wasn't ready to hear that. And I was like, what what are they talking about? So I got back home that day and later that night and so tired. And over that night and the course of the next few days, I just started to bring it to God and say, God, what, what is this all about? Why are they saying this? Why don't we feel like we've got this connection? I've known them for long enough. And, and what I realized was even with God, I wasn't being real about my struggles. I'd celebrate the highs and, and even in my, my, my prayer times, I would come to God and I would, I would open my Bible and I'd read and then I'd, I'd, I'd come to God and I'd say, God, I'm sorry about that. And I'd move on as quick as I could rather than saying, no, no, God, I'm a mess and I need your help. And I need you to step into this mess with me because I keep going back to that mess. And here's the thing about weakness is God doesn't invite us to hide it and sweep it under the rug. No, no, no. He invites us to bring it to him. I think about it like this. We, we get some great examples in the word of God of how to follow Jesus. And there's this guy named Paul in, in the New Testament and God used him to write a lot of the, the, the New Testament and so he's got some powerful words and he's talking at one point in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 through 10 and he's talking in, in these verses and he starts to say, hey, I've had this great experience with you God but now I've got this thing, this thorn in my flesh and it's just bothering me. And he's crying out to God and saying, God, would you take this away from me? And we don't know what this is. We don't know what that thorn in the flesh is. And thankfully, maybe, maybe God left it intentionally just vague. Why? Because a lot of us have some thorns in the flesh. A lot of us have some struggles, some challenges. Maybe it's a sin pattern that you keep going back to. Maybe it's a, it, it, maybe it's, it's a struggle. Maybe it's a hurt that just hurts and you just don't know how to deal with it, but it comes up. Maybe it's a health issue. It could be all sorts of things, but... Paul says that, that God said, no, I'm not taking it, away, taking it away. Instead, this is what Paul writes about his experience with God. Paul says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. 
So I take pleasure in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul was saying, don't hide your weaknesses. Don't try to hide those away. Instead, bring them into the light. Don't hide those weaknesses. Bring them into the light and then start to call it what it is. Start to to call it out to God and say, look, this is in the light. I know you can see it. You've seen it even before I was in the light. God, you see it. You see my mess. Would you help me to deal with it? And call it what it is. And that brings us to our next point. It brings us to this idea of the invitation to confession. And it looks like this, this invitation to confession in 1 John uh, 1, 8 through 10. It looks like this. We're going to skip through real quick. Oh, there's chickens. Hi. We're invited into confession. We'll come back to that in a little bit. 1 John 1, 8 through 9 says, If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I love these words here in these verses, we have not sinned. I love these words that, that speak up to us because why? Because a lot of the time in church we come in and we say, no, I haven't sinned, I'm not a mess. And we're like that toddler with the paint everywhere but on the piece of paper. We say, no, no, I'm not a mess, I haven't sinned. No, God's word assumes that we've sinned. I've sinned, you've sinned. If you didn't know that today and that's hurtful to hear, I'm sorry, God's word says it, so go after him, not me, okay? Like, deal with it, invite him into that. But this is the thing, is it assumes that we've sinned. Why? Because we have. But a lot of the time we go at it like this, a little bit differently than really how we should, is I, I don't know who along the way decided that shoes should have white soles on the bottom. Anybody else with me on this? Like, why should shoes have white soles? Why? They look cool, right? I love them. I picked up some shoes from a friend of mine the other week and like they're, they're white, right? But here's the deal. I didn't walk in on these because, because I'm a mess. If, if it rained four weeks ago, I'm still going to find the puddle that's sitting out in that parking lot and walk through that puddle with these shoes. Like I'm just a mess. I know it. But a lot of the time we come into church and we put on these good white sneakers. We, we throw a smile across our face and say everything's good. But really, it's a mess. We're falling apart on the inside. And God doesn't invite us to throw on those nice white tennies and come into church with that perfect smile. Instead, he invites us to come in with our real selves and say, God, I'm a mess. I've got sin. I'm not going to try to say I don't have any sin. No, no, no. I have sin. I'm with sin, God, and you're the only answer for that sin. See, he knows that we've messed up. And you're still dealing with that sin and he knows that and he's okay with walking with you through that towards freedom. Why? Because he realizes that you're not the one that can bring salvation. Only he can bring salvation into your life. He's the only one that can bring wholeness and healing. Our job is just to walk into the light and start to confess it. Why? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God tells us to bring those messes to him. Don't try to put yourself together. You can't. Don't try to pick yourself up. You can't, but he can. Maybe you've been strolling late into the night where you shouldn't be. Or maybe you've been hating your husband or wife or your parents. Or maybe you just keep letting your temper get the best of you or that anxiety or that fear or that substance abuse or overspending or sexual addiction or controlling personality, whatever it is. Or maybe it's not even your sin. Maybe it's the effects of somebody else's sin in your life. Because we live in this sin-wrecked, broken world and we try to hide those effects too. Maybe you're struggling to get out of bed in the morning 
you're hurting, you're depressed, you've got feelings of abandonment. Maybe you're trying to hide those hurts and that sin. And this is the thing, is Jesus wants to meet us right in the midst of those broken places. He wants to meet us right in that hurt, in that pain, in that sin, wherever we're at. And he wants to start to put us back together because only he can. He doesn't invite us to stay in those things for the rest of our lives, but he does invite us to walk into the light, to confess it, and then say, God, would you help me? Would you start to put me back together because I'm fallen and I'm broken? And man, I get it. That's a pretty long list of sins that I just listed out, and I get it. Some of you might be like, I don't know if we should talk about that in church, and here's the thing. The, the reason we talk about some of those things in church is because people are dealing with those things in church. They are dealing with those. We see it in stats. We see it in confession time. We see it in all these places in the world, and so we've got to be real about it. Why? Because God's word is real with it and invites us to be real with God. So if it invites us, we want to follow Jesus and we want to be real with him. But somewhere along the way, we thought that church was this place where we've got to come in perfect and all put together. And can I tell you, it's not. It's not a place for perfect people or perfect sneakers or perfect smiles across your face. It's a place to come and find healing in Jesus. Sometimes we forget that because we forgot how far Jesus has brought us in our lives. We get a few years in or a few decades in of following Jesus and we forgot that beginning story of our own lives. We forgot how low we started with Jesus originally too. I think about it like this and, and Allie, if you can jump in on slides because I think I got myself lost, that's my bad. But I think about it like this, there's this message called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount not from a high place of these are all the great things. He starts the Sermon on the Mount from this place of this, of this low place. He starts out in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 14. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. We call this opening of the Sermon on the Mount the Beatitudes. And what does that mean? It means blessings on or blessed be those in these situations. And you could actually call it not just the Sermon on the Mount, but some scholars say you could actually call it more appropriately, you could call it the Sermon from the Valley. Why? Because it starts in the lowest place. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the down and out. Blessed are you in the midst of your biggest struggles. There's a guy who spent 30 years studying the book of Matthew. His name is Frederick Del Bruner. And he spent these years studying the book of Matthew. And when I found the, his, his commentary on it, I wasn't even 30 years old. So I was like, okay, this guy's got 30 years on me already. Like, let's jump in. And so I've gotten to read through it. But some of the things they says about the Beatitudes is, first of all, Jesus is speaking in the Beatitudes to three groups of people. First of all, he's speaking to those that are in need, the needful. He's speaking to them and he's saying, hey, you're in need and I want you to know that, that with God you can be blessed. This need that you're in the midst of, uh, uh, midst of, God can step into those places, into the mix of the mess that sin in your life and the world has created in you. God wants to step in. 
And then he writes to, an, or then he says that, that Jesus is speaking to another group of people. He's speaking to those that are inviting others to follow Jesus. Those that have experienced God in that needful time and are saying, hey, Jesus transformed my life. Jesus stepped into my life and I know that he can step into yours. And so can I just share with you, can I tell you more about Jesus? Can, can I invite you to discover Jesus? And so those inviting people. And then lastly, he says that, that Jesus is speaking to the persecuted. And when you read through the Beatitudes, you actually see this. People that are in needful places, people that are inviting, they're merciful, all these different pieces, and then people that are persecuted. And the thing about that is, Frederick writes a little bit about this a little bit more, and he says, here's the thing about this Christian life, this Christian walk, it really is the way of discipleship. What does that mean is that we usually start with God in this place of need. God, I'm a mess. God, I've sinned. You're the only one that can fix me. So would you come into my life and transform me? And we cry out to God and God starts to step in. And it doesn't mean that things are perfect. It doesn't mean that life is perfect from that point on. No, I'm still a mess. You're still a mess. It's okay, but God steps in and he meets us in our needs. But then we start to realize as God has been stepping into my life, now I have the chance to invite somebody along with. And not just because Pastor Scott or Pastor Carl say, well, you have to invite people in. No, no, no. It's more intrinsic than that. It's more, it's deeper than that. It comes from a place of, God, you transform me. I remember where I was. I remember where I came from. God, I think you could transform them too because I see what they're going through. I know that it's hard on them and I want to stand by them. I want to invite them to discover something more than just church, but I want them to discover the loving God who died on the cross for their sins and wants to set them free from the sin that they're in the midst of. And then he says, then we go through times of persecution. And here in the church, it's interesting because um, here in America, we really don't endure persecution. I'll just be honest with you. And I get it. Like I've gotten in trouble for praying over a meal at, at lunch with some of my team in a hospice. Like I get it. But that's not the persecution that the rest of the world is enduring. And so we stand in this place of opportunity to pray for the rest of the world that endures persecution. And so what does this mean for us? Why do, why do we jump over to the Beatitudes? Why are we talking about this? Is, is This is the reason why. As we talk about the Beatitudes, all of us can find ourselves or should find ourselves in one of these three places. The needful, the inviting, or the persecuted. And I don't know where you're at today. There are people all over this room in different spots in life. And maybe you'd say though, but I'm not experiencing any of those. Well, I want to challenge you. If you're not experiencing any of those, most likely you're obviously not feeling the need. You're also not feeling persecuted. So where you probably are is in that inviting stage. So can I just encourage you to, to maybe wipe some crusties off of your Christian faith and actually say, oh, like I'm supposed to be inviting I remember what God did for me. I want to invite somebody else to discover this love and this grace and this peace that only God can bring. That blessed be that the Beatitudes talks about. That freedom that First John talks about. I found myself in all those three places too. I think about it like this in the most needful times in my life, back to that stage, back to that part of the message. In the most needful times in life, most of the time I'm not honest with God and I'm not honest with the people around me. But when I am, it's so much more life-giving than trying to lean into my own things. Remember that trip back from the Grand Canyon that I told you about? Around that time, I found myself late one night staring in my bathroom mirror just, just frustrated. 
just struggling with, with sin, some attitudes, some different things, struggling with just feeling disconnected from God and from community, from different people, and just all these pieces so distant and alone, and all these, all these just emotions overwhelming me that night. Thankfully, rather than leaning away from God and saying, God, you're, you created this world. This is what I'm in the midst of. I don't want anything to do with it. Instead, I started to lean in and say, God, would you actually start to deal with this? Because I had heard those friends that were really honest with me and they invited me into the light and they invited me to start to confess some things, not just with them, but most importantly with God. And I found myself over the course of that next week just crying out to God saying, God, in the midst of this, I need you. I'm going to stop hiding and I'm going to come into the light and, and, and call it what it is and call my messes, call my faults what they are and I'm going to come into your light and actually start to walk with you in this. So I started to talk with God about those difficult things, the sin patterns, the, the struggles and even the hurts in my life that sin in my life and the world had caused. And I started to find that God was washing away my sin but he was also building a closer relationship with me. And the cool thing is, as I started to lean in with God, I started to also lean in with community. And I started to find myself in richer community, richer conversations with people experiencing and exploring what it really meant to be in true community. Why? Because this relationship with God was right first. And they started to deal with the relationships in my life. And they were closer. And I love that. I love that God meets us in those places. I think about it like this. Anybody uh, backyard chicken mama out there? Like, what does that mean? Um, okay, so eggs got expensive in the last two years, and maybe you started to, to raise some chickens in your backyard. Anybody doing that? You're like, okay, all right, I see you. That's good, that's good. Also, if you're, if you're like, no, that's crazy, Trader Joe's has cheap eggs, okay? Just saying, it's too late to the party. You guys are back here, chicken people, okay? I love that, I love that. Now, if you're gonna, I can't do it because my, my neighborhood would come after me. I think my dog would eat the chickens and the eggs. Um, it would just be a mess. Um, but, but here's the thing is I, I learned some things about chickens. Did you, first of all, you guys might know this, but chickens can see all sorts of colors. They can see all sorts of colors like you and I, but they can also see UV colors. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means like they walk into the chicken coop and it's like a rave, like do, 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 here we are. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, I've never been one, been to one, but, um, anyways, they, they, like they can see in all sorts of colors, but they're also very attracted to a certain color. In fact, you, you might have painted your chicken coop this color. Um, some farmers paint their, their barns this color. It's red. They love red. And so they, they, they'll walk into that chicken coop. They're a little more likely, all these different things. There's some theories on this anyways. But here's the other thing. They're also drawn to other things that are red, like blood. Okay, that's weird. Um, but not in like, a, oh, let me help you out. Let me throw a Band-Aid on it. No, like, I'm going to exploit your wounds and murder you kind of way. Okay, so don't walk in your chicken coop if you've got like a scrape or something. Um, so the weird thing about that is that they will go after the other chickens. They will attack the other chickens if they sense that there's a weakness with them. And somewhere along the way, we started to think that other people in our lives are just out to exploit us too. They're like those backyard chickens. But here's the thing. That's not the type of church that God's designed us to be. That's not the type of church that God's called us to be. No, the church that God's called us to be is a church that says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to step in, into our mess, into our places of brokenness and our wounds and actually meet us right there. So let's start to be honest, not just with God, but with our community groups. Be honest with those close-knit friends that you've known for five years that might not feel like they know you because you haven't been honest. You haven't taken some time to confess where you're really at as a human being. Here's the crazy thing is when you start to step into confession like that, other people around you start to be honest too. And the coolest thing is you both start to get to know God in a whole new way. In a whole new way. I've, I've worked in hospice for a number of years. You, you heard Pastor Scott mention that. And um, I had a friend that's, that's a nurse. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, what happens if we, if we just cover up wounds? You're like, where is this going? Don't worry, there's no pictures, I promise. Um, but, but I asked him, what happens if, if, if you don't do anything about a deep wound? And he said, well, first of all, if it, it's really a gamble whether or not it's going to get healed, especially if the cause of the wound is still in the wound. And so he continued on and he said, it, it, it'll continue to get worse. It'll start to smell, it'll start to drain. And localized infection that left untreated will lead to sepsis, which is an infection that spreads from a local spot throughout the body. And if that's not treated, death follows quickly. So why is confessing so important? Why is bringing it to the light and saying, God, I need your help? Is because if you don't, here's the thing, is that death will come eventually to that wound. This thing that started so small, that was just so insignificant, but you never brought it to God, that mess in your life that you created by sinning like all of those pieces, the eventual outcome is death of that wound, not life. And God's come to give us life and life to the full. And lastly, it looks like this. We have an advocate. We have an advocate. Growing up in Illinois, my dad would take us down to, uh, to this place to see my grandma, Vandalia, Illinois. Anybody? No? Okay. There's a reason. It's tiny. It was the second capital of Illinois, though, so it's not the current one if you're trying to sing the song and be like, he's a liar. But he would take us to Vandalia and, uh, to see my grandma. My, my parents would, and we would get bored in my grandma's double wide, and so we'd actually go out to the park and play, and there were train tracks and, and a creek with crawfish in them, and so we'd go play, and without fail, every time we went to visit my grandma, we, one of us, my brother and I would fall and scrape our knees and be this bloody mess. And it was just crazy. And what would we do right away was, first of all, we'd start to cry like any kid, right? But then not knowing the way back to grandma's house, we'd cry out to our dad and say, dad, would you help us? Our dad would come over and he'd scoop us up in his arms and he'd walk us back to grandma's house. And I think sometimes we need to understand that when we fall, when we sin, God's just like my dad in that case is he comes over and he scoops us up. And he brings us home, back to him. My little children, I'm writing you these things that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. So God meets us in these places. He steps into our biggest messes, our biggest failings, and he meets us right there. He's not afraid of our sins. He's not afraid of our messes. Maybe you find yourself in a situation like my friend France who grew up in a rough home. So your mom had some mental health issues, has some mental health issues, and is struggling with those and, and still walking through those. And 
was afraid even that at some point France might try to murder her, not because France was violent, but just because of her mental health issues. In France, this high school student was just trying to figure out how to make it to school on time and actually get good grades, but also provide for her mom and her in, in, in their apartment. And she was just trying to figure it out amidst dealing with all of this stuff with her mom. And France met a friend at one point in school, and she met this friend, and this friend said, hey, there's a lot going on in your life, isn't there? She got to know this friend, and this friend started to invite her to, to some clubs at, at school. There was a club where they had pizza, and she's like, yeah, I need food. I'll come to that. And she starts to hear about this Jesus that her new friend was following, and she decides that maybe, just maybe, Jesus can move in her life. She starts to go to church with this friend of hers and starts to, to show up week after week and starts to let Jesus into the most broken places, not just her hurts that her mom had caused in her life and mental health issues had caused in her life, but also the hurts of her own sin and her own brokenness. And eventually she said, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to come, in, to come into my heart and would you transform me? And the amazing thing about France is now she's walking with new believers in our church to help them find Jesus and help them dig into a relationship with Jesus. Why? Because she was first willing to say, hey, I'm a mess and God, I need you. Maybe you'd say, hey, I'm already following Jesus, but I need that vulnerable conversation with God because I've got some messes in my life. This morning, we want to give you time during this last song to just process that and, and deal with that with God. Maybe you're hearing this message today, though, too, and you say, no, no, I, I've dealt with that. I'm good at confessing. In fact, our community group is just so strong in that, and I love that for you. But maybe you'd find yourself like this. There's, there was a, a, an Olympic swimmer that was competing in the, the, the World Aquatics Championships not too long ago, and she finishes her competition and everybody's cheering poolside. They're all excited about how well she was doing, but unbeknownst to the rest of them, this swimmer, Anita, she passes out and sinks to the bottom of the pool. Everybody's still cheering. Everything went so well, but nobody notices Anita at the bottom of the pool, except for her coach, Andrea, who quickly runs over to the side of the pool, dives in, dives to the bottom of the pool, and grabs Anita at the bottom of the pool and swims her to the surface. Anita not breathing, still passed out. She swims her to the side of the pool, and Anita starts to breathe again. She starts to be okay. In a championship day for her, what could have ended in death ended in life. In fact, later that day, she could be seen eating out with her team and having a fun time. But I think it's interesting that sometimes we miss our opportunities as believers to swim to the bottom of the pool to help somebody whose life, whose brokenness could end in spiritual death, if not worse. But we're just not looking for those people in our lives. And I want to invite you, I want to challenge you today to think that maybe, just maybe, God's placed you in that workplace. He's placed you at that awkward family reunion. He's placed you in all sorts of places, that crazy neighbor that drives you nuts. Maybe, just maybe, he's placed you there because he's inviting you to swim to the bottom of that pool. Help be the arms and the hands and the feet of Jesus to those people and help them discover that rescuing power that only Jesus could step in with. And so as we get ready to close with this song, I want to invite you to just 
take some time to process that. Maybe, maybe you'd say, Jesus, I need you and I need you to come into my life. We want to encourage that. Maybe you'd say, Jesus, I've been following you and, and I'm a mess and I've been hiding some of the most vulnerable parts of my life, but I realized today that I need to start being vulnerable with you. Or maybe you'd say, this is my chance. God, I think you're trying to wake me up and help me swim to the bottom of the pool and rescue some Anitas in my life. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you meet us in our most broken places. For some of us, God, you've met us there and you've transformed our lives and now we get to invite others into that same story. And so God, wherever you're meeting us today, would you help us to be vulnerable with you? Would you help us to be surrendered to you and allow you into those places, those most broken spaces in our lives today? Help us to do business with you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.